good got the good sound there thanks so much praise the lord well good to see you guys this morning i'm okay with the sound sounds a little hot a little hot huh yeah okay all right okay go ahead and stand with me i'm going to pray thank you holy spirit for the work that you're doing in our midst this morning anoint every ear to hear every heart to receive anoint my mind and my heart to speak the word that you've given me and i thank you it'll flow accurately from me and people will receive it by faith and lives will be changed in jesus name amen all right may be seated thank you all right so we are talking about um the secrets that uh of our marriage okay and uh people have asked me you know coming up for 50 years and whenever i whenever i am you know people say when we talk about how long we've been married, they say, well, what's your secret? Well, I wish there was only one secret. That would be nice, but there isn't only one secret. There's a lot of things that you can do uh, to have a, a great marriage. And we haven't always had a great marriage. You know, um, we went ups and downs just like most people go through, you know, tough times. And then you get out and you improve and you fall back in and stuff like that. I wish it was always just, you know, on the upward trend, but it isn't. Uh, my, my sound is still not 100% if you'd work on it. Thank you so much. <clears throat> so now, um, I just want to encourage those that are single here today, uh, whether you've been married before and you're single now or you've never been married, if you pay attention, I believe that the Holy Spirit will give you some good insight that will help you um, because you never know. You may get married again. You never know. You, know but you may say, been there, done that, and no. But you never know. Uh, you know, you, nev- you just never know. Somebody might come along and you find true love and you go, wow, this is amazing. I wish, I wish my previous seven had been like this. <laughs> you know? I think my uncle is in the Guinness Book of Records. I think he had seven. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Kind of ran in our family. That was one of the reasons I said to Jackie, we're not going to get divorced. I want you to know that. So... When I'm talking this morning, if you would do me a favor, personalize it. Don't nudge your spouse next to you and say, are you listening? (laughs) Make it about you, all right? Let the Holy Spirit talk to you about you. And let God talk to your spouse about what's going on in their life. Now, last week, uh, I mentioned to you that, uh, unfortunately, around 200,000 marriages in America will not make it to their second anniversary, which is really sad. And the average time that marriages actually last in America is around seven years. So that's not good. If you're in your eighth year, you're doing above average. So you can be excited about that. Amen. But, you know, the greatest threat uh, to marriage really is pride and selfishness uh, from uninformed spouses. Uninformed spouse. Pride because the uninformed spouse doesn't want to get informed because the uninformed spouse thinks that they've got it together and usually that's the man now i'm not here to pick on men uh, but i can tell you that men are slow learners when it comes to marriage and usually it's because they don't believe there's anything wrong with their marriage 
They think their wives have to change. That's the problem. And of course, yeah, you know, on the other side of the coin is a lot of times when people get married, the wife says, I'll change him after we're married. He will change. I love him, but he's going to change. And the man says, I'm loving her. I hope she never changes. She just stays like this. Really? Okay. You don't believe me, huh? I can hear well, those three holy grunts. Anyway, you know, when, when, when we got married, as I said, I thought, that, um, I thought that love was enough. And I mean, we were intoxicated in love, just absolutely into- upside down. Couldn't think straight. None of you ever experienced that, that insanity. Before you say, I do, you think the, the whole world revolves around the situation. And it does. It does revolve around that situation. But you're going to have to learn to think outside. I used to tell my children, I said, you can, get, you can fall in love with anybody. And that's the dangerous thing. That's the dangerous thing. You have to be kids a slippery slope. You know, you have to find out, you know, if you're a girl, you have to find out what his bank account looks like. <laughs> and if you're a guy, you have to find out what her debt looks like. <laughs> Actually, it works both ways, doesn't it? But really, you must be careful who you marry because, you know, once you get married, the debt becomes mutually owned. So let's have a look what real love characteristics look like. And we read this famous scripture from 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, out of the New Living Translation. Love is patient and kind. Now, again, as I said last week, don't apply this to the spiritual love that you would have for another brother in Christ or the sister in Christ or, or even the unsaved. I want you to apply this to the love relationship between a husband and a wife. So that's what I want you to look at today. So love is patient and kind. And patience is one of the things that go real quickly when you get irritated uh, with your spouse. And then you stop also being kind to them. So love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Now... uh, Each one of those things are very, very important, and we could spend half an hour talking about every one of those things. But take that into consideration that you shouldn't be rude, but I'm talking about verbally rude and abusive to your spouse. And that usually happens when you get upset with them. And, you know, they they do give you lots of reasons to get upset. That's why you have to walk in unforgiveness. You have to walk in that patience. But don't, don't boil over. Don't boil over and say things you're going to regret. Because once you've said those things, you can't take it back. You can't suck them back in. So be careful of harsh words. You know, I had a, um, a lady come to me in South Africa, and she wanted to sue for divorce from her husband. Um, and I said, well, has there been adultery or anything else? She said, no. But he's just so verbally abusive. And she went to see an attorney Uh, to see if she could go through with it. And the attorney actually said that more damage can be done through verbal, just words, that can be done by actually, you know, adultery. You know, you can get over it, but a word cuts like a knife. It stays in there. And it doesn't, you don't escape it because you keep on thinking about that. I know that if, you know, adultery, I'm not accusing adultery, uh, but, you know, breaking uh, trust and that kind of stuff, but... Be careful when you stay, you stay married to somebody. Be, be watchful of your words. 
And then watch for a few words, okay? I used to say this, make your words sweet because you're going to eat them. You know? Or wear peppermint shoes because sure as nuts, you're going to put your foot in your mouth. <laughs> All right, so love does not demand its own way. Love is very compromising. In the marriage situation, it's very compromising. It is, it's willing to work with the other person. It's not demanding. It doesn't say, you married me and you'll do what I say. No, Jose. It's not... Ir- I just rhymed. I didn't mean to pick on you, but... It's, it's not irritable, okay? And it uh, doesn't keep a record of wrongs or being wronged. And here's another huge problem, huge problem, that when someone wrongs you, somebody says something, somebody does something, somebody irritates you, that you kind of keep that on the back burner, and it, it, it runs overnight, it runs into the next day, a way that you speak to the person, uh, the, the willingness to have fun with them, or, or whatever else, because in the back of your mind you're thinking that they wronged you. So don't keep a record of it, okay? Don't keep it a record of wrongs. And I said last week, She'll win. If you, if you keep records, she's going to win. And she doesn't even have a planner where she writes down the wrongs. It's in her mind. She's got a memory like an elephant. She can remember, so don't mess with her. Okay, don't. And so, ladies, please, let, let those things go. And it uh, does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Oh my, are we going to have some circumstances in our lifetime? Huge circumstances are going to come your way. Um, I mean, tsunamis are going to hit you. Storms are going to hit you. Sickness is going to hit you. Poverty is going to hit you. Loss of jobs are going to hit you. All of these circumstances are going to hit you. And if you take out your frustration on your spouse... It doesn't help because the person closest to you who really, really wants to help you, you are now blaming or, or you know, taking it out on them. And then you push them away from you instead of being able to get them to help you through those circumstances. So be watchful as you go through those circumstances. You'll need their help. Um, of all the relationships on earth, marriage is the most important. The one with Jesus, heavenly relationship supersedes that one. But your marriage is more important than your children. Because your children will grow up and leave home. Hopefully. At 40, you'll have to kick them out. But they will hopefully eventually leave home. All right? And, and most likely will return once or twice or three times before they finally, you know, get on their own feet. But still, marriage is most important. I'm now 70 years old. Next year, we'll be married 50 years. So 50 out of 70 is a long time to spend with somebody that you don't like. <laughs> Could you imagine? Can you, can you imagine? You wasted your whole life if you've been 50 years with somebody you didn't like. So make sure that you like them, right? But make, your, make the marriage relationship very, very important. Make it. This was secret number five. We dealt with this last week. Briefly, we got into it. Make marriage your highest priority. Your highest priority. So, if you want to have a long-lasting marriage that is filled with joy and beauty and love and understanding, make it a priority. So, I've got three things for you 
how you make it a priority. The first thing, get educated. Get some knowledge on marriage. Get educated. You know, we go to college. We learn about whatever we want to do in life. We learn at college. We get educated about the thing. Um, if, you, if you love cars, you'll get educated about working on cars. If you want to be an engineer, you'll get educated about that. If you're going to do construction, you're going to get educated about it. Why wouldn't you get educated about the marriage that you're going to spend 50 years with somebody? Surely you'd want this thing to work, right? So get educated. How do we do that? Well, in today's world, it's so easy because you can read books. You can uh, download audiobooks. Uh, Cindy introduced me to audiobooks. Woohoo! Yeah, I know. <laughs> Got to have a child that's uh, at least 20 years younger than you that can help you through life, teach you how to use the connections in your car so you can actually listen to the audiobook. You know, it's just amazing. And she still helps me with my phone. How to, how to use my phone. I asked, when I went to buy my phone, I said, can I just have one that you just dial on and just phone people? Why do I have to have a computer with a thousand things that I'm not going to use? Don't know how to use. Anyway, so download audiobook. Download audiobook, okay? And uh, listen to podcasts. There's another thing you can do. Perhaps uh, you could watch reputable Christian counselors. Reputable. And you can get that... Um, you know, um, on YouTube. Also, I just want to say the most reputable Christian counselors that I've ever known were in our church were the Kellys. Yeah, go around. Give them a round of applause. <laughs> Kellys, this is a shout out to you. I hope you're listening. Before they left, they gave me business cards. So if anybody ever wants to speak to a marriage counselor, we have business cards. You can contact them because they're no longer in the church. So they operate a counseling ministry privately, and you'd have to pay for their fees privately, all right? But come and see me on Zoom, right? Yeah. You want to take over? Okay. So Zoom, because you talk with them on Zoom or the phone or something of that nature, all right? Um, number two, you want to implement some low-cost ideas, low-cost ideas, because, uh, you know, it, it, you don't want to make... Taking care of your marriage is such a high-budget thing that you're like, I can't afford to. should have thought about that before you fell in love and before you got married. <laughs> so what do you do? Some romantic ideas, and I told you that I had a planner that I used to, while I was learning how to be romantic, I'd write down each day something in my little planner, whether it was buy flowers or if I forgot, pick up flowers on the side of the road or go to my neighbor and ask for flowers, <laughs> Right? Do something, that's a low-cost thing you can do. Um, you know, go for ice cream or something of that nature. But there's another low-cost thing you can do. Make, make some calls to, the, to your spouse, what I call just-because calls, for no reason. Just-because. Because usually you phone somebody, oh, I've got to tell you, you've got to do this, we've got to do that, we've got to do this. And if you phone, you say, okay, what's going on? You say, no, just-because. Just-because I love you, I've made this call. Or you send a text just because, or you contact them on Instagram, if they, Instagram, you've been married 50 years, what is Instagram, okay, so you don't know what Instagram is, and uh, Marco Polo, I, I thought he was an explorer, but, okay, so uh, now people are using Marco Polo, so, okay, whatever, if you're that age and you use Marco, then send them a Marco Polo, for goodness sake, let them know that you're thinking about them, okay, 
All right. Uh, walks on the beach. They don't cost you anything. Jackie used to love the beach and sit in the warm sand and that kind of stuff. And so go for a walk on the beach. It doesn't cost you anything. I know you live in Escondido. The beach is west. Use the 78 or the 67 and go down there and just sit on the beach and watch the waves, watch the sunset. It costs you nothing, but it's investment into your marriage. Huge. Cut off the busyness of the day. And uh, if you don't want to go to the beach, well, go for a little hike Saturday morning. Pack a little picnic basket and take a hike up here. There's a beautiful lake, you know, Lake uh, behind us here in Escondido. What's it called? Hodges? Lake Hodges. No, no, not Lake Hodges. Dixon. 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 Yeah, that's a beautiful walk. You go up there, sit down, have a little picnic. Didn't cost you anything. Spend time. You hear what I'm saying? Write down some ideas that you can do. Uh, what about preparing a nice dinner at home? That's easy enough. Prepare a nice dinner and well, we, we cook every night. Yeah, but do some candlelight stuff. You know, put up, bring out, bring out the expensive silverware and crockery and cutlery that you wouldn't usually use for your spouse, for you. You keep it for guests. <laughs> I'm going, what the hell is that? Why did we buy this expensive stuff for guests? Why don't we use it? Huh? Bring some candles out. Do something. Dim the light. Spend some time. And listen, here's another thing you can do. Okay, guys, here's something. Listen. Make dinner and serve it outside. Go and set a table outside and put some little lights up and a candle, something like that. And if we live in, we live in California, you get a good chance it's not going to rain or anything else. Go and sit, go and sit outside, you know. Um, so, I mean, I, I did this. I did this, okay. So, um, and you know, living in Velcom, I'm going to tell you some living in Velcom is just bush, just dry thorn bushes and dust and nothing. Nothing. This is not Idaho, okay? We're living in Velcom. I, we, I, we, we have concrete walls for garden, and the driveways like stone. I mean, it's ugly. But I put a table out there. I made dinner, candlelight. Back then, we didn't have CDs, so I, ha- I made a romantic tape. And some of you don't know what a tape, it's a cassette tape. Say cassette tape. Okay? It'll date you. And I didn't have a phone that played music with a music playlist. I had to get a boombox and put it in the window and plug it in on the other side to play my romantic music. Okay? So I made a dinner, sent the kids to bed early put the boombox in the window, and had dinner in the driveway. Went outside under the stars. Sweetheart, just look up. Don't look down. Don't look sideways. Just look up. The stars. It's a true story. It's a true stories. Why would you ever think of leaving me? And then, you know, another time I completely forgot. This is normal. More normal for guys to forget to do something romantic. It doesn't come naturally. So I'm thinking, what am I going to do at 7 o'clock at night? I've got a good idea. I went and got a blanket. I went outside, put on the grass, and said, come lie down next to me. We've got two pillows. Let's just look at the stars. You see? You see? Listen to the ladies. <laughs> um, it doesn't cost you anything to think about her 
and to invest into your marriage. So point number three, put your money where your mouth is. If you really want your marriage to work, invest into it. Do something, put your heart and soul into it, sincerely, if you really want to improve your marriage. Now there's another thing you can do. It might cost you a little more this time, if you investment in. Take some weekends away without the kids. Get somebody to take care of the kids. A family member. Somebody could take care of the kids. And go away. The two of you. Just get away and go and spend time together. You know, um, back in South Africa, we used to get about two or three weeks vacation a year. What Jackie and I did is the first week of our vacation, Jackie and I went away alone. We left the kids with our family, parents, and we would go to some place, whether it was down the beach or a mountain resort. It didn't matter. We went away alone because we couldn't handle any more taking care of kids and work and everything else on a vacation. This was enough already. If you want to ruin your first week of vacation, take your kids with. <laughs> we needed alone time. We needed to be time so we could just re- get reacquainted. And, 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 you know, have some alone time. You know what I'm saying? And then when all the dust was settled and all the fumes were gone and all the fuss and everything else, and we had a great time, we came back and we were now ready. We went on a second week, and this time we took the kids with. And now we could focus on the children. And we could spend time with them and play and so on. So just some ideas. do not cost you uh, any money. It's just some thinking. All right. Secret number six. Secret number six. Focus on meeting your spouse's needs. Find out what your spouse's love language is and also find out what yours is. You may not be aware of what yours is. Find out what it is. You can read those books, The Love Languages. Read that book and find out what your love language is. And then uh, talk about it. Openly talk about what your love language is. Don't let them try and guess. Go, oh, you missed it again. (laughs) No, that's not what turns me on. No, no, try again. Stop that nonsense Tell them up front what your love language is so that they can start to meet it, all right, and, and for both of you. So um, that's very, very important. And, and when, you're trying, when you're wanting to meet your spouse's needs, this is, this is so important. Don't, ha- don't have the attitude, um, you know, well, what can you do for me? Th- that's not going to work. That is a very selfish attitude, and that will lead to divorce. What are you going to do for me? When you get married, it's not about what they can do for you. It's about what you can do for them. Are you listening? Some of you are going, oh, that would explain it. <laughs> you need to have the servant attitude in marriage. And the servant attitude is, what can I do for you? You're trying to meet your spouse's needs. You've got to find out, what can I do for you to help you? And this time, also be intentional. Be intentional to meet their needs. When you find out what their need is, deliberately do something to meet that need. Don't wait for it to, you know, fester. Get onto it straight away. Now, I'm going to give you a word of warning here. Be very, very careful and cautious about expectations. Expectations. This could be a serious problem. Don't have unreasonable, demeaning dysfunctional or demanding expectations. If you place a demanding, demeaning expectation on your spouse, you're going to have problems, especially if you're dysfunctional. 
And you may not know you're dysfunctional because nobody told you. And you just think that's normal. Well, you may be dysfunctional. Now you're placing dysfunctional requirements on your spouse. And that's going to lead to issues, right? Uh, Matthew 20, verse 28 says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. See, when you serve your spouse, you're actually serving your marriage and you're serving yourself. So when you give to your spouse, you're giving to your marriage, you're actually giving to yourself. Secret number seven, be willing to sacrifice. This goes, six goes right into seven, be willing to sacrifice. People used to say to me, so uh, what is the secret of your marriage? And the first thing would ever come out of my mouth, the first thing would ever come out is the word compromise. Compromise. And I thought, you know, that's, that's not really something I want to leave with the person by saying compromise. But I found that so many times in my married life, I would be compromising. I would be yielding to what Jackie desired. I would be compromising my wants and desires to meet hers. Or like, I'm going to suppress this so I can meet your needs, whatever they may be. So I learned not to always expect to have my own way. And you need to know that in marriage. You're not always going to have your own way. Yeah? You say, well, I'll have my own way. I'll come out of the closet when I want to. I'll come out from under the bed when I want to. I'll have my own way. No, no. You need to learn to be considerate of your wife's and your husband's choices and desires. And you have to do your best to meet them, even if it means compromise. So let me tell you a story. You know that Jack and I used to do ballroom dancing. But what you don't know is the story and how it all started. It all started because she had the desire to dance. She wanted to do ballroom dancing. She wanted to be twirled around the floor like a, a princess. And I didn't. <laughs> I had no desire to dance. I had no musical inclination. I couldn't tell an upbeat from a downbeat. I couldn't tell a cha-cha from a waltz. I couldn't tell... Any, anything. I had no desire. Zippo. <laughs> you need to understand something. It's like the guy who planted macaroni and only the holes came up. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. But Jackie wanted to dance. So I am figuring out how am I going to cope with this. Because I have to make a huge compromise. I have to be sacrificial. I, I can't even imagine what I'm going to have to go through. So we decide to go to Arthur Murray for dance instructions. Okay? Seriously, I should have worn soft shoes. Holy cow. So then we have to do dance lessons and 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 dance lessons. And she keeps saying, okay, now when are we going to go dancing? I said, we are. So one night she says to me, I found Coronado Hotel has a dinner and dance with a big band. And it was a Friday night or a Sunday night or something like that. We're going to go. I said, we are? She said, yeah, we're going to go. Okay, then. Here we go. We go down there. Lovely dinner. Band is playing. It's a great band. We get to the dance floor. Everybody's dancing. Got in a position like this. 
Okay, and the music's playing. Now, we're about a minute into the song, and we're still standing on the side of the dance floor. She said, you've got to start. And she's going like this. She's going like this. I said, you've got to start. I said, what dance do we do? What is this song? Is it a, is it a waltz? Is it a foxtrot? Is that just a, what is this song? I don't know what it is. She said, just start. I said, no. I don't know how to start. All I know, my left foot goes forward. That's all I know. And so eventually she pulls me. This is now we, how we do it. So here we go. I'm on the dance floor. I'm going. Come to find out, not only do I have to know the steps for myself, I've got to know how to guide her through the crowd. There's people out there. There's people dancing all over the place. And I'm going, oh, this, watch out for the people. Watch out. There's people. There's people. Sorry. Sorry. There's people. I'm not exaggerating. True story. So, so. I go, okay, you know what? I have got to work at this. I have to really, if I can do karate, I can do this. So I converted two, two car garage into a dance studio. Put carpeting down, got the boombox, got CDs, got songs that said cha-cha, foxtrot, waltz. Put them in and I started to learn Three, four, five, six steps of each one of those songs. When we went, each one of those. Okay, this is what we do. So I had a routine. I'm very organized. Got a routine. So this is how we go. One, two, three, four. One, two. As long as there's nobody in my way, I'm going to be okay. Because I've got to go this way. Out my way. I've got to come this way. So now I'm dancing. Now we now we're dancing, and now we're going back to. The dance lessons, and we're dancing. Now we're going back to Coronado. Oh, we can get on now earlier in the song. We can move around. We can dance. We can do this. And then we start to get better. We're getting, oh, we're getting a lot better at this, okay? This is great. So I want to show you a picture of what it looked like when we were getting really good at this dancing. Can you show us a picture? There we are. So now we had the big band behind us, and uh, we got all dressed up. You see, it's fun, right? Except not for me, but it's fun. It, it looks like we're having fun. Except smile, that smile is, that's how you learn to compromise. That's how you look like you're enjoying yourself. If you want to be married 50 years, that's what you've got to look like, okay? So, uh, the thing is this, the thing is this. At the end of the day, what happened is many years later, Jackie had, it was 1995, in 99, four years later, Jackie had the stroke. And when she was lying in hospital, and she had no hope, and she couldn't speak, and uh, she couldn't move, she was paralyzed down the right side, um, and she was wanting to get out of hospital, she couldn't stand being in a hospital, I had to come up with something that would encourage her to believe that one day she would return to a normal life. So what I did is I brought her ballroom dancing shoe, into the hospital, into the recovery room. And I nailed it on the wall and tied it up with the, the laces like this. And I wrote underneath it on the whiteboard, if you have the courage, I have the faith. And I gave her a vision. I said, one day we will dance again. I had to give her something to hope for. And when she came out of hospital and she had the, 
cycle that you, you know, the incline cycle you sit on and, and you ride for exercise. I put this on the front of the cycle so she could keep exercising and that she would know one day that she would again dance. But she hasn't been able to wear the high heels, but I'm going to show you what happened at our 60th, my 60th birthday. We danced. We danced. And then at our 45th wedding anniversary, I took her back to Arthur Murray. Can we see that one? I took her back to Arthur Murray to the dance studio. So that is a long time after we started dancing. But that became something important in our life. And now every single morning of our life, when she stands up out of bed, on the side of the bed, we dance just like that for three minutes to Celine Dion's song. Every day of our life. Every day. So sometimes you have to make a sacrifice that turns out to be something that will actually be good for your life and good for your marriage. We ended up actually enjoying dancing and the cruise where, we, where Jackie actually had the stroke. Every time the band started, we were the first ones out before anyone else got on the floor because we like to have an open floor. And we just danced around the open floor intimidating everybody else. <laughs> Nobody wanted to get on the floor because they looked at these people dancing. They go, we can't do that. And the cruise director came to us and said, would you give dance instructions? And we did. And we had 150 people turn out for a floor that only could accommodate 50 people. And it happened three days in a row. And we ended up giving dance instructions on the cruise ship. So, something that started off really bad for one person, <laughs> turned it out to be good for the marriage. Can you see that? Will you give the Lord a hand clap? Come on. Okay. <clears throat> so, Ephesians 5.21 says, Submit to one another out of, the reverence, out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. So be mutually submissive, respectful, and loving towards one another. Mutually submissive, respectful, and loving towards one another. Let me read you another uh, scripture, Ephesians 5.21. And further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, for wives, this means to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For husbands, this means to love your wives just as you love the church, as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. Now, let's talk about this sum submission and dominance. Submission and dominance. This is a real problem uh, when you have a macho, macho man who wants to dominate the relationship and be the head of the, the, the wife and the head of the, the family, and he got it from the Bible. All right, and this is the scripture that they use. So let me explain to you, when submission occurs, it's not because of dominance. It's not dominance. It is a mutual submission out of respect and out of honor for one another. So let me try and explain what that means when the husband is the head of the, of the, of the wife or head of the family. 
The husband gets to make the final decision. But he has to take responsibility for that decision. If it goes wrong, goes south, he's to blame. Because he made the decision. Okay? This doesn't mean that the family is excluded from a decision-making process. They're included in the decision-making process. But the ultimate buck stops where the husband decides this is what we're going to do. He can go along with what the family wants, or he could go against what the family wants. It's up to him how he wants to live the rest of his life. <laughs> now, the best decision that I made other than receiving Christ, getting married to Jackie and having children and going to the ministry, was the decision to leave South Africa and come to America. We left there in 1990, and it's been now 31 years. The greatest decision, if you know what the condition is like in South Africa, you, you would absolutely marvel at how bad it is. You'd, it's terrible. But the greatest decision, Jackie would so, totally be dead had we stayed there. There's no doubt about it. In fact, someone just died recently from Mycenae Gravis that I know. <clears throat> they didn't know how to treat it. So before we left, I had the, the, the instruction from the Lord that this is okay to move to America and I was going to follow him. And I prayed about it at length, and I'd spoken to some prophets about it, like Kim Clement. I spoke to him about it, felt, what, what do you hear? And he said, go. I sat down with the family, and I said, this is what I'm feeling God is saying, but I'm happy to hear what you had to say. The, all the, both children spoke to me. Jackie, we had a family meeting. And this is what the family said to me. The children said, we don't really want to go. We have friends. Here, we have friends. But dad, whatever you decide, we will do. Because I know, this was said, you have our interest at heart. We know that you'll make good decision. Jackie was in favor of going. She was the one who actually instigated it in the beginning. So at the end of the day, somebody had to make the decision. Somebody had to pull the trigger. You follow what I'm saying? The children couldn't pull it. Somebody had to pull it and somebody had to be responsible for that. And so I made the decision. I said, okay, we're going to go. And we're going to, whatever hard times come, we'll go through it, and, and we'll, we'll go together as a family. Are we okay with this? And everybody said, okay, let's do it. Do you see the difference? So there's, there's no dominance here, not dominating the other person, but somebody has to finally make the decision. So uh, the submission we're talking about here is in loving respect, in honor for the other person. This brings me to secret number eight. I could go on, but we're just about out of time. You want to hear a little more or not? Yes. A little more? Okay. Take it to the limit. All right. <laughs> Secret number eight. We're talking about honor. Honor demonstrates respect. Honor demonstrates respect. In Romans 12 and verse 10, it says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be devoted to one another in love. And honor one another above yourselves. Now, in secret number six, you might remember I said, uh, was to try and meet your spouse's needs. Remember that? But you know that many people, their greatest needs is honor and respect. It's like the song says, give me a little, you know, R-S-P-C-T. <laughs> people want respect. They want honor and respect. And you know what's a great shame is that how we... Uh, we tend to point out everything that's wrong and are judgmental 
and blame, wrong, blame, judgmental, how quick we are to do that, and how slow we are to actually celebrate a person's worth. We need to be, we need to be celebrating a person's worth. Whenever Jack and I sit out in our garden, I planted about 47 trees and shrubs because it was completely barren. And we love to sit out there and under the patio, on the patio and the little overhang and stuff, and just enjoy the flowers and the butterflies and everything else. She'll get tears in her eyes and she'll say this. She'll say, you're just like your daddy. What do you mean? She said, your daddy's a creator. Remember the trip she went on? Your daddy's a creator. Father God. She calls him daddy. She says, he's a creator and you created all of this. I said, no, I just planted it. I didn't actually create it. She said, you're just like your daddy. That's honoring. And it's showing respect for hard work that I did for our marriage, but I was doing it for her because she loves trees and flowers. So yeah, it took money and it took a lot of hard effort and a lot of back-breaking effort. Okay? Um, so do we unconsciously, do we unconsciously show respect and honor to other people and ignore the most important person in our life? Are you quick to show respect and honor to somebody else? but not to the person that's the most important person in your life. You can tell that I honor Jackie by the way I speak about her to you. Whether you get me individually or in a group, you'll always hear honor and respect come out of my mouth. Yeah? You've never, ever, ever heard me say anything disrespectful or dishonoring about her. And so you can tell what comes out of your mouth, how you feel about your spouse and what you're saying because it comes from a heart of love and respect. It just flows out. You actually do care about it. And you know, when we're in a, in a meeting sometimes or we're in a doctor's room or something and Jackie's being examined and they ask questions and I'm always answering the questions and telling what, you know, what's going on and somebody will say, and I remember we were actually on a TV show, they were interviewing us. And this person was asking questions about our marriage and how we've been doing. And then Jackie turns and tells the person, he's a keeper. <laughs> like I'm a fish that gets thrown away, but I'm actually a keeper. And what she's saying, of course, is she's honoring me, respecting me in front of other people. I know a, a man um, who would always joke about his wife and always tell bad jokes about his wife in, in groups. Always just... Joke, just joking. He ended up having multiple affairs and got divorced. Men yearn for respect and honor. Women, if, if honored, feel loved. And that's what they're looking for in life. So I'll give you this little story, little metaphor that I thought of. Your marriage is like two of you in a rowing boat. Okay, you each got an oar, either side of the rowing boat, and you are, you're, you're rowing, you're rowing your marriage, okay? Until one of, the pe one of you get offended because something gets said, you get disrespected, or you feel unloved. And then what you do is you stop rowing. You go, forget this. I'm not working at this thing anymore. You stop rowing. The other person tries to row, and the boat goes in circles. 
Your marriage circles around the hurt and forgiveness uh, uh, until forgiveness is given. Until the person injured forgives the other person, picks up the row, picks up the oar and starts to row again, your marriage is staying where it is and it's going in circles. Are you hearing me? Very, very important that you know this. So let me finish with this statement. Um, I'm out of time. I don't want to keep you longer than this. When there's trouble in the marriage, somebody's been offended, usually what happens is you go, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. That's what you've been. The grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Actually, let me tell you something. The grass is always greener where it's watered. And we'll stop there today. All right, well, let's stand. Lord, we thank you that you're speaking to our hearts, helping us to grow in a loving, thriving marriage. You want us to have the happiness. You designed marriage in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. It was your plan from the very beginning. And we thank you, Lord, that as we gain this knowledge and understanding, that our lives will be so much better, so much more fruitful, and we have much more peace in our lives. So we thank you for your word today. I pray that it sits deep in the hearts of your people. And while I'm praying, before I let you go this morning, if you want prayer for anything, we'd be happy to pray for you and ask our prayer team to come out, our ministry team to come out. If you'd like to give your life to the Lord, because I promise you, without Jesus in your marriage, you're not going anywhere. Most important relationship is with Jesus. If you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit, come down and let somebody pray for you. You love Jesus already, we'll pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit. If you need healing in your body, we're here to pray for you, for you to be healed. And if you have need of anything else, let us pray for you. That's why we're here. So while every eye is closed, if you want to wake, move down here for prayer, we'll do that. In the meantime, I'm going to dismiss you going to pray that you have an awesome week. Things are going to go well for you. In Jesus' name, your marriage is turning around. Your physical body is healed. Finances are coming your way in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Amen. All right. Well, I hope that you'll go out and get my book, The Believer's Guide, Financial Guide. I hope that you'll do that. Um, it is a lengthy book. It's 325 pages long. It's far too long, and the font is too small. So I'm thinking of editing the book down. So if you want to get the full version of it as it is now, you probably need to get it in the next two weeks because I'm going to look at editing it down to reduce the amount of pages. I just think there's too much in it. So if you want to get the full stories, get it this week or next week, okay? God bless you. Thank you for coming out. Have an awesome week. Give the devil a rough time this week. Every morning you get up, make sure he gets out of your way. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Uh, we love you. God bless you.